Good morning, afternoon, evening, depending on your time zone. And those on the dark side of the moon, thank you for joining us. So quite often I have a come up with some kind of a title and, and uh, most of the time that's what I do. And today I thought I would just uh, change it up a little bit and make this all uh, be questions coming from uh, Sangha. Uh, I was going to say questions coming from monks, but the monks don't like to be put on the spot. So, and I respect that. So, and then I also thought including everyone might be a good idea. So anyone can ask, start out with questions and I'll do my best to respond in a way that is helpful to you and perhaps even helpful to me. Now that's a, that's a surprise, <laughs> that many hands. Shoto. Shoto bowing. Um, you've given a couple of talks recently, fear-based authority. And I believe there was another one that was uh, around fear-based um, and a concept that came up for me around that was fear-based inclusion. And I have a tendency to want to include like at people and it was a little aggressive and I'm wondering. Include at them? Yeah, like someone might not want to be included but I want to include for yeah. them. Yeah, can, can, can you, I understand what you're saying but I'm, I think I might need the example of what, because there's, uh, I think there's several varieties there of that. But some people in the Sangha just throughout the years might not be as social as other people. And I thought that yeah. was an issue. To, so like if we go out to the farmer's market, I'd be upset that they wouldn't come out of their apartment. So I wanted to yeah. force them to be included. Yeah, yeah, that's aggressive. But, you know, it's very situational. So there might be times when you might need to see that aggression without interfering it with it too soon and cut it off because you'd like to be a better person. It's, it's, it's a difficult area of, uh, of uh, for lack of a better word, of self-discipline. Not hitting yourself with a, with a, over the head with a hammer to try to get yourself to fall into a certain kind of observing, not observing, but actually obeying. Obeying is misunderstanding. It's about... Uh, in ancient times, it's about controlling people. Even the, the Buddha Dharma is full of that kind of monastic hitting with a stick and so on. And my teacher, Trungpa Rinpoche, even kind of, kind of, he didn't encourage hitting anybody, but he used examples of people getting hit as part of the teaching from a different century. So we're not going to do that. And so in your situation there, you since your, your primary situation is to train your mind to see clearly, then that seeing clearly uh, uh, kind of flips around if you're using that to get better, to improve. This is called spiritual materialism. And we all have to start out somewhere. So we start out by meditating. So we'll be a nicer person, be better, stop giving ourselves a hard time, not be so crazy, not want to end our life. In my case, that's where I was at. I was kind of at the extreme end, kind of a chancy to even come this far. So more about that, go ahead. What's inclusion that respects confusion? Don't fill in uh, what you don't know with what you think you should know or speculation or guesswork. Don't do it. Be, be willing to just have the empty, empty feeling of not knowing. This is the very nature of the Buddha is to not know. That's why there isn't anything the Buddha doesn't know. Uh, not a non-specific, but non-intentional. So intentional in the sense that you're you're going to function that way, but 
but no results, not looking for results of kind of getting to some higher level of consciousness. Spiritual materialism, not wrong. It's just uh, describing a circularity that is more like mundane practice, practicing so you get better, mundane practicing so you have a big biceps or something, studying so you can get a PhD. So it works all over the place. It even works in this practice uh, when we start, but then there are stages on the path that aren't, are not clearly marked uh, out in a, some kind of generic way that's there for everyone, although ancient times we have all kinds of categories, but those are to be observed, not not as glue to stick yourself to. Go ahead. Another situation that comes up is in book study. A little study. louder, please. In book study, when we're facilitating, yes, there seems to be a facilitation for that inclusion, so people can feel included. Or there is, not. yeah. It's a form, yes. I just said something that I'm a little confused about. I said to make people feel included. Is that oh. a misunderstanding? What do you think? Probably. You brought it up. Yeah. It could be. I think it's an area that rather than, let's leave it fuzzy because you've already got the form. That's why coming into the Zendo, you have a form. You bow at the door. But if you don't bow, nobody corrects you. Not in this monastery. If you totally, uh, even if you started talking in the Zendo at a time that was inappropriate, well, you probably would be included for a while. And then we would see, rather than have you follow a law, Follow a form. Because we've got a macho control thing that actually disturbs people's practice. It doesn't help them. In ancient times, might be different, different societies, different culture. But in here, when somebody comes in, we're, we try to support their awareness practice, not get them to mind us. There's nothing to mind. There's nothing to obey. More? What's that support if it isn't letting them feel like they're being supported? I don't have any problem with with uh, uh, encouraging them to feel safe. You, know, you can come in here and you're, you're, you're safe. You don't, you don't have to talk in the book study, which is a particular format, which I've described in a handout or whatever you want to call it. So you can see how to function the proper, shall we call it etiquette there that is supportive of the facilitator and supportive of the community. And yet doesn't, doesn't uh, fall over into right and wrong up and down or, uh, or uh, this person talks too much, this person doesn't talk enough, or this person is, uh, I mean, it's about the awareness of, uh, of the situation where you would, I mean, people come and they've already included themselves, and then you could help them by not making that a problem. So uh, meet them where they're at. That person doesn't talk at all. Um, there's ways of, if, if you see someone is coming and they never say anything, you could pick something out or not pick it out, but wait till something arises. And if, if you're open, if you're watching what's happening with the people as a facilitator, then you're not there to teach. And you're not particularly, particularly there to actually study that material somewhat, but you're there to help people study it. So that, uh, therefore you might see someone never respond, never, you might look at their body language, if you want to call it body language and see that they're perplexed by the whole thing. And then, then rather than increase the, perpl uh, the perplexity that you are perceiving, <laughs> it could be your own, uh, then you would uh, skillfully, you could say, interact with them. It could be about anything. I mean, in the context of that situation, someone says something in this, 
uh, and you might, as a facilitator, someone, uh, we're say studying Dogana, which we do a Wednesday at noon, somebody is uh, just saying, uh, well, I think what Dogan is saying by uh, uh, firewood doesn't become ashes, and then go into some kind of complicated structure about some kind of justification why the firewood is, uh, is actually was that, but now is being, uh, its form is being changed into energy. And so it's not really becoming something else because it's going through the energy. You can go on and some of these people like both of you guys are really good at that. That's why you're in here, in here. So I can, you know, flip you into shape <laughs> or shapelessness. <laughs> so um, you would, you might, it would be situational. You would look and maybe, maybe this person uh, in that situation, when that comes up, the way someone's describing, you say, does that make any sense to you? You know, I mean, include the person. And, and if they say, no, I don't understand, drop it. Don't get anybody to explain anything. Allow the person, that way the person is participating, but they're not being particularly put on the spot. They didn't particularly come in to be put on the spot. They came in to study the Dharma. And part of the studying the Dharma, if uh, all of you don't know this, it's not understanding it. It's studying it. Remember that. This will help you so much in studying. Just study it. Just study it. You don't have to conclude. You don't have to. Uh, you can read through uh, Vasubandhu's uh, 30 verses over and over again. And something's in there. Something is really important in there. But it's very hard to understand what that is in, in a way that you could actually communicate it to someone. Uh, so, but everyone's different. You need to meet everyone where they're at. That's why uh, Sokoen does book reports. <laughs> That's how I found out how smart she is. Not a compliment. Not smart. It's a description. <laughs> More about that. Gwen Devine, you often say or have said, uh, all thoughts are lies. How are thought, all thoughts lies? Well, the reason I'm saying that is it's a relative truth. So it's partially true. And quite a bit of the time, it's, you know, if you wanted to use numbers, it's like 99% true. Fire is hot. But not always. So therefore, it's, if it parades itself as being an absolute rock hard fact, not always. The fire in your dream is not hot. It just looks hot. It feels hot. Seems hot. We conclude that it's hot, but it's not actually hot. I'm just using that as an example. We could go, we could spend the rest of the, the time here discussing how that uh, how that shows up. I mean, it might be interesting, but I don't think it's necessary to do that. To say that anything that is relative is partially true. That's the very definition of relative truth. It's, it's this is true because of the opposition. Uh, death is true because of life. Uh, you know, pain is true because of pleasure. Nerve endings, I use this over and over again because I think it's a pretty, pretty good one for me anyway. Perhaps it is for you. Same nerve endings receive pleasure. They receive, receive uh, pain or torture or, or obstruction. Same ones. It's the consciousness that is laminated to a self, to a being, to somebody who's experiencing this just because the body's kind of backing you up because of your central nervous system. Look closely. Look into the central nervous system. Look into the peripheral nervous system. 
which is what you're doing when you're sitting down looking at the wall, you're feeling, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, receive, receive, receive. Don't produce. But if you do produce, then don't stop that, but just watch that production. And that way you, it's like being introduced to all aspects of the choo-choo train. You actually get to see the caboose, you see all the cars, you see the passengers, or if there are any, you see the cattle car, you see the, we still have trains with cattle cars. I was born in another century. You guys were too, weren't you? There was a time when you could say that and you'd be really old. Now, if you're born in another century, century, you're actually not that old. So it's a big lie. <laughs> Further questions? Kozan. Um, kind of going on what you said, sometimes you say, of just observe, just hearing, just seeing, yes, just thinking, and you're talking about the central nervous system. So we're sitting and just observing. What what's the difference between sensation, sense of seeing, and perception? Um, <laughs> so the, the, we're seeing if the eyes are open. Uh, we're seeing all the time anyway. But then to perception tends to localize itself on, on perceiving uh, the, something else. So we, when we perceive something else, then the ultimate of, of ordinary understanding, everyday understanding is that's the, the other side of the room. You're a person, uh, that's the doorway. But the, the fundamental understanding is uh, that it's a perception only as is taught by Vasubandhu uh, and, and other teachers. That the, 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 the object that's being perceived and the subject that is doing the perceiving are, are in the relative world, the mundane world, it seem to be two different things, which you need to really understand that so you can not be overtaken by something dangerous and get into something that's supportive and supports your self-centeredness. So you're, you're a very subtle and not so noticeable narcissism. So seeing that those are not two different things, nor are they the same. That's why it's so challenging because we saw if they're not too different, does that mean they're the same? No, it doesn't. And when I said that, you know what showed up in my mind? A package of Wonder Bread from the 1950s. Where do you think that came from? Who do I blame for that kind of crap coming up in my head? I actually, I actually like Wonder Bread, but that was 1955. You follow what I'm saying there? Everything's welcome. Go ahead. So is perception only... Uh, simply the illusion of separation? That would be a way of describing it until you see it. And then when you see it, even the illusion of separation is uh, just perception only. And even the perception only is still an illusion, even though it seems true. Did you track that? How can I say something you can't track? You actually have a, you actually have been to college, haven't you? I have to pick on somebody, it might as well be her. <laughs> Any questions? Uh, I, I won't be able to see you because there, there's uh, 40 people on here and I can't see uh, anyone. So if you do gasho for to ask a question, I might, I might not see it. So I might want to just bark or something or say something, say question. Just ask me a question. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people on Zoom if you have one. 
Thank you, Bowie. There's a question from Toji. Okay, go ahead. He asks, what is unqualified confidence and how do we find it? Bowie. So unconditional or unqualified confidence is looking at the way the relative con uh, confidence works without obstructing it. Uh, uh, because uh, if you're, uh, what I mean by obstruct, obstructing it, I'm saying joining one side, I don't have, I, I don't have any confidence or joining the other side. I feel really sure about that. I'm really confident about that and don't do either. Or looking for uh, relative confidence uh, to uh, uh, hold down or temper the, the fear of being wrong or being incorrect or, or being insecure or being unsafe, not having confidence. So relative confidence comes and goes. You, the way you know it's relative is it doesn't last. You know, the, way, the, way you, the way you know it is relative is you can actually, if you're getting your, your uh, gold stars and your congratulations from the, from the mundane world, then it's, it's tied into uh, the relativity because you're identified with the body-mind complex you think is you, you think this is you. When I touch my chest, I'm saying, if you do it like this and say, and say me or use the personal pronoun. Notice how strong that is. We're, you're everything, all the sensorium and everything is saying me, 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 me constantly. So ultimate or, or unconditional. This is, when it says unconditional or it says, uh, um, I can't remember what the word you use, but it was very similar. An unconditional confidence is, is you are, you are as a, a living being with this entire complex of not only receiving everything, but, but producing. What are you producing? <laughs> you're producing everything you're looking at. If you don't see it, then it'll look like another world. But if you see that everywhere you look, you, you, you're producing that. You're producing that. Why you can't look at anything without looking at your mind. This is not a but you can't get there through a thought process, but you can't get there without a thought process, but it has to be prioritized. This is what the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the three jewels are about. And you'll, some people need more Buddha than other people. Some people need more study than other people. Some people need more a community or Sangha than others, but it's a good idea to have the whole thing, the whole three jewels, uh, structure so the so the uh, unconditional confidence would be it would show up and this is the way i'm talking about it conditionally because words i have to talk but the way it would show up that you may be able to understand is you would you would always know what to do including knowing that you can't do anything right now because there's not enough what information or there's not enough variables happening like looking at a puzzle, it's like uh, you have a piece of puzzle and it has some red in the corner and you look at the rest of you ever done a picture puzzle and you're, you notice several red things and you're trying to look at the shape of that red thing and the shape of the, so you're using relative truth, uh, you're going through it, but your confidence shows up when you, when you see that this is not separate from that. So that's, uh, but up until that time, uh, there's not some kind of a failure feeling. There might not even be a journey feeling or, or I, I'm going to get it eventually feeling. That's why hope doesn't work so well. Fundamentally, it works okay. So the unconditional confidence is 
you you just are not you can't be you can't be threatened you can't be threatened by failure you can't be seduced by fame or gain it just just doesn't work anymore it might have uh, three years ago or eight years ago 20 years ago 10 minutes ago but you just know you just notice it you can't get rid of it you, you can't get rid of the ego you just have to see oh and and my dears how many times have I said this you just have to see that who you think you are is unreal if you see that all the way through, all the way down, it doesn't mean that the positive, negative, neutral feelings that you're having uh, daily will go away, but they just can't find an identity that will give it the stamp of approval. Yes, I am feeling this. Another way of saying it, which it was helpful to me from contemplating it, but may not be uh, helpful to you, would be You don't, need, you don't need to know what's going on in the way that you think you do. You already have all the information you need. If your senses are open, even most of them, maybe not all of them. Some people can't hear so well. Some people can't see so well. Some people can't think so well. It's not a criticism. It's an observation. Some people's ability to think with concepts, I'm very limited in that area. You might think, oh, I noticed that, I don't think very well. But I don't use the thinking process to understand. What do I, what do I use to understand? Uh, I, I don't know, space, no self, no other. No clamping down on this, no clamping down on that, even though those illusions arise over and over again, they're seen to be unreal. And therefore, if you see this, sometimes when people see this, they wanna to go to the mountaintop and never talk to society again because they see it's, it's a total sham relative world. And then others who understand this, not only understand it so thoroughly, but realize that, that, that there's the only place they should be is in the community, in the society. This doesn't mean they have to join a movement. But they may, they're, they're a person's individual karma might take you right into protesting uh, against a fracking, which I actually had one time in the middle of a retreat many, many years ago and saw in the morning, Northern Michigan, someone came and said, I can't, I can't stay for the rest of the treat, retreat. I have to go protest this fracking that's happening in another city. Do you remember what that city was? I think it was Petoskey, yeah. We're, we were up in the uh, Song of the Morning in the Northern part of, the, of Michigan, the Mitten. So, and that's totally accurate. I mean, I'm just thinking, I don't know where that guy went with the rest of his life, but that certainly was appropriate. But I didn't have to give it my stamp of approval. He was gonna do it anyway. But I, I think all I said is, yeah, go ahead, go for it. Go, go stop those guys <laughs> from fracking. So it doesn't, you don't know, because you suddenly have a realization of not to, or some kind of lack of a center, I had a person a few years ago come here who actually, a young person who had actually seen through the solid personal self, but they weren't done yet, but they concluded that they were enlightened. They even told me they were and thought that I had some work to do. And perhaps that's what, that's what she saw. So I certainly didn't argue with her. And I have no idea. Now, it's not a criticism. It's just so much as just... Uh, 
it's just more than just seeing through this. You have to see through that because if you think that you're in, you're really clear and you're enlightened and you're seeing no self and no other uh, as a as a ideas, and you still think the people around you are uh, different than the Buddha, then you have work to do. That's why there's the path is complicated. Shoto. Shoto Bowing, you, you mentioned how we're producing all of this. And earlier you brought up the dream example of fire. And um, I've had that experience in a dream where I put my hand through fire and it didn't burn me. So it seems really easy to see how um, we're producing stuff in that dream area because it's so, if we can watch that happen in real time, I can yes. create a fire. How can we see that same um, production when it's so slow here? I just, that's why the, the path is such a, is set up in a certain structure and we just go slow, slow way down, um, minimize a minimal, Minimize the production, minimize the movement, sit down, hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture, which actually shows up as consciousness, not awareness, but in the consciousness of your uh, central nervous system. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you're going to know that, but if you reflect on it, you'll see that there's some kind of knowing that goes beyond just thinking about it or even uh, having it uh, be at your, the, the tips of your nerves. So it's a matter of repetition. Come in and just don't give up until you see what this is. What this is. Uh, until that time, it's going to feel like you're maybe going in circles. But those who are going in circles think it's a straight line. Those who are actually going in a straight line or uh, actually doing that. It may appear like circular because the ego is chattering at you with its propaganda about, oh, no, you can't do that. This won't work. Don't do that. And so... And I'm not saying that's not true. Uh, relatively, it, it probably is true. And if you're aligned with your personal karma, uh, then it can do one of countless numbers of things. One, it can put you in front of a Dharma teacher uh, where all you do is resist it. That's totally correct because you need to, you need to be genuine. You need to be your karma because you're not going to be able to transcend or understand or not be at the mercy of that karma as an individual karmic recipient, and still thinking that, oh, this is my bad luck, or this is my good luck. Me, 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 me. We have lots of examples of me, 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 my stuff, my ideas, my wonderful abilities, and so on, all over the place these days, and in other days. Glad you made it here. Further questions? I can't really see everybody really well because you're, you're like little postage stamps. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you. Um, so I have a sense of a small inner voice uh, that which I consider to be my soul. And if I'm able to hear it, it speaks clearly. But what is the difference in speaking about we are all the same and that little voice, that small inner voice. Well, I don't say we're all the same. Okay, no, but that we're all peace, you know, we're all part of the same. No, I don't say that either. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's easy to take this and uh, and and to use it interchangeable with other words. I'm very specific about it, and it's taken decades for me to be able to even understand what it, what it was I was even looking at. Seeing this happened a long time ago, but it's taken a long time to understand how how can I actually say what this is? And here's the words I've come up with. It's not separate. Separated. Example I often use is. It's like, it's very uh, obvious. The separation of the fingers is obvious. The thumb never uh, complains about the first finger and the middle uh, the, or the uh, middle finger never tries to replace what, you know, it's just very simple, but it's very discreet and it's a very, very definite situation. Yet the ability for those fingers that are all being different to cooperate is choiceless. They just, everything, everything you need to do, you don't have to tell the thumb to come together with the first finger to pick up a paperclip. It just occurs. I'm not saying that people in some who are, are in states of mind that are more distressed don't might not have to go through that process and learn, just like a child learns how to, to, uh, how to work with toys, especially uh, transformers. I mean, you know, you just about have to explain to two-year-olds how to, Open the a, to, a transformer is a toy that changes from a duck into a, a Sherman tank. I'm not sure what. Thank that. you, thank you, thank you. I but really not, appreciate it. Certainly, I appreciate your question, and just uh, don't take any position on it. And as far as listening to your so-called inner voice, your soul, whatever you're calling it, I'm not concerned with that. But I think that's a good idea if you can look, if you have some kind of a, a quality that's showing up. Not everyone has that, uh, and at the same time, I say that I just lied. Because actually, everyone has that. Yeah. I, I often lie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There's a question from a friend of Dallas's. Okay. What would you say to a new person who is approaching the Buddha, but is concerned about worshiping something that might be considered idolatry? Go do something else. Don't worry about it. I'm a Buddhist monk. I have no interest in you becoming a Buddhist or convincing you or explaining to you what you're running into when you look at fear of idolatry. I don't have any concern about that. You're probably not ready to do this. Uh, on the other hand, you're asking a Buddhist monk about idolatry. And so I would say, but remember where the, this response came from. Don't worry about it. That's, uh, and I'll take it a little bit further and say, that's what the ego will do. It will scare you away from the, the path of realization. This is not, this is practiced religiously, but this is really not a religion. This is just a spiritual path. It's not an organization, but we have all kinds of organizations because if you don't have organizations, you can't even function in, in the physical world. You can't function in culture. You'll notice if you listen to other Dharma teachers, which I'm sure you do, that other Dharma teachers are pretty convinced of what they're saying. And they'll try to get you to do that. And if you'll notice that I do the same thing. What's the difference? <laughs> you, you find out because it's, it's gonna show up differently for each person about how this is because it's very, very individual. As far as this guy and Someone here, someone here. We either have this connection or we don't. And if and, and that connection can show up as I meet you for 10 minutes and that's the last time I ever see you. 
or we become friends and I, we practice uh, together the rest of our lives or all of the in-between areas where people come and go. It's up to you. So that, uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Early on, I was very enamored of those idols, especially in Woolworths, they had little little Buddhas about this high that, that you could, or, had, or basically like, like get little incense holders. You get some incense and get a little uh, ceramic Buddha. And, and then you, you know, when you're very young, you're not sure what that's about. You just know you really like that. And then someone else might come along and think, oh, I can't be worshiping idols. You know, just pay attention to it. The only other thing I'd say other than that to a friend of, a Dallas's friend, is uh, train your mind so you don't you aren't hoodwinked or uh, captured by your hope and fear, your thought patterns, or not, or do something else. Further, any further questions out there in TV land? Is everybody asleep? <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, Bonnie. <laughs> when we're looking at how we project onto things, there seems to be something that arose first that we're projecting onto, like a basic form or something that's true. Give, give us, be, be a, not quite so abstract. Can we just... Tell me a little story about it, and then that way I'll know where you're going with it. If I see a dog that has a foaming mouth, I think it has rabies. Okay, it's a good one, yeah. But it just might have just had some ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Is is the form of the dog a projection too? Everything is a projection, but there are different levels of it. So everything is the elseness of it is is the projection part. Thinking that we're separate from the dog, so thinking we're separate from our projections, and so it's that's why it's a process or a practice. Of, uh, of awareness and not a practice of thinking. Well, it doesn't exclude thinking, but thinking is brought into it uh, as a, you could say a companion or as, uh, as what arises in the, in the stream, in the, in the mind stream. And so there's no, there's no particular, particular issue unless there's hidden hope and fear and everything is being triggered by uh, the dog and the rabies or the possibility of rabies. So, but yes, everything, the, the ground the dog is standing on, you created that. It doesn't mean that, that the dirt, if you pick up the dirt and hold it and say, I, and I did not create this. This dirt was here long before I got here. I would say yes and no. Yes and no. And that's why it's called a spiritual path. Go ahead. Is it important to see an appearance fall away so we can see that it's projected? The appearance doesn't need to fall away. It's just seen, uh, it's, you just need to see that it is unreal. It has no, it has no, no legs. It has no real props. It has projected ideas of, uh, of whatever, maybe in danger or safety. Those are projections. It's not that there isn't some situation where you're in danger or some situation where you're totally safe and protected, but those are relative also. It's that we abandon those for something else about it and create more. Uh, 
What are those little plastic blocks called? Lego. Legos. Create more Legos. Go ahead. You said that in uh, that that um, looking at our own what's happening as our own karma as a karma that belongs to a person is uh, not helpful. How how do we wait? Wait, start, start that over again. Maybe paraphrase a little bit so I can see where you're going. Um, the karma that or, the karma that you're experiencing that you're living with you, okay. you I think yeah. you just said in this talk that seeing yourself as the one experiencing that karma is not seeing karma as it actually is because you're looking at a self who to whom this is happening yeah did, did you say that <laughs> I don't know but it's sounding pretty good I'm ready to chomp so, down on it okay how how do we see the results of what's happening with our karma as not belonging to again actions? Again, please. How do we see the uh, our own karma as not being the result of the actions of an individual person? Well, we might see that that we might see the dependent origination. This has happened. That's happened. This this triggered this. Triggered this. Uh, but the, the depth of dependent origination or pratitya samutpada, the Sanskrit for, for nothing comes from its own side as an individual self, the depth of that is what's missed. We want to just, we wanna, we don't want to go in and look deeply because when we look deeply, we see that you can't find the source of anything. You can't find, here's this hand, which is a hand and you have them too. I have hands too. And you could go back a little ways and say, well, Mr. and Mrs. Brown, back in 1940, whenever it was, uh, got together and it's just totally biological stuff. But but you but you can't find the original source for any of this. It is just a complete, uh, to say it's a labyrinth is, uh, um, it's just an understatement of it. So you can't find the source, but what can you find? You can find what shows up, what appears. Anything that appears, meet it where it's at without your baggage of projections, ideas, and conclusions and hopes and fears and all that. And how do you do that? You train your mind to see that that which meets that is unreal. Because what happens is we get so enamored of uh, blocking things off or starting things up or becoming more aware or becoming, becoming, becoming that we, we do not, we ignore the, the truth, the ultimate truth or there is no solid being anymore. And so, uh, that being said, we still have to sit still, as far as I can see anyway, I'm pretty biased in this area, I have to sit down, full still, and watch the crap come and go in our mind. I like it, I don't like it, it's good, I shouldn't do that, we shouldn't do it, they shouldn't do that, I shouldn't have said that. The next time I see her, I'm gonna tell her, give her a piece of my mind. You know, all those kinds of, I'm just saying a few of them, we, we all know, or, or the other one is we go off on a daydream and just spend our whole time daydreaming. That's always awareness, there's nothing to correct. And that's, hard, that's a hard message for the self-centeredness to hear that you mean I don't have to get better? No, I would say if, if I heard that come in and say, say, you just have to see that you're unreal. <laughs> you don't have to. Improvement um, uh, that is claimed by an unreal self uh, is, uh, is uh, improvement, but it's relative. It is relative. We do feel better. One of the things that first things that we realize, and most of us, if we start meditating, that 
oh, this is better. This is better to train the mind. It's just that there, um, there's a lot of depth to that. It takes some time to go deep enough, just to use the relative idea, to go deep enough in it to actually come uh, in contact with the insubstantiality of a self. Form, feeling, perception, concepts, thinking and the six sense fields and their object. Those are unreal. They get together and, and they say, me, I, I don't want that. I want this. And so it's not about not saying those words anymore. It's when you use those personal pronouns, you realize they are not coming out of an individual. Please help, help me. <laughs> Is there a detaching process happening? No, you don't have to detach from something that's unreal. If you detach from it, then you've given it a re reality that, you know, I used to really be upset about stuff. But I meditate a lot and nothing ever bothers me anymore because I'm very detached from that. So just a misunderstanding. Go ahead. <laughs> you have a question? Um, well, earlier you were talking about threat. Yes. There's nothing threatened. So is um, an emotional response that seems to come up in a situation, an indication of feeling threatened? Yeah, what, what of feeling threatened? More? If things are, if we don't have any control about how we feel or if that is um, kind of a habitual situation, is emotional reaction indicative of anything? Yeah, dependent origination. Emotions feel like, that's why the emotions, you don't have to stop them. You don't have to be another guy. You don't have to be someone who no longer gets angry. It's just, I know I worked with that for decades. And how did I work with this? Sit down, hold still, face the wall, or face the floor, or face the altar, or face the refrigerator. Hold still, minimize, minimalize, minimalize, is that the word? Minimalize. You guys are afraid to correct me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always wrong, so. Huh? Yeah, well, Bujadao, as they would say in uh, Beijing and elsewhere. Right, Joyce? <laughs> so. <laughs> So, where were we? What was your time? Go ahead. You can finish your your lengthy question. <laughs> You're going to team up and ask me a question? <laughs> Wait a minute. Questions from Sonica. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of forgot my question, but to go off Kozan's yeah. question, it's yes. probably similar, is that is um, the emotional, is seeing that the emotions are yes. not real different than seeing that the thoughts are not real? Well, you know, you can start with that. You can say, don't believe your thoughts, but I know you can't help but believe your thoughts. We have to start somewhere. So uh, you can't actually attain something you already are. In order to see that you don't, that there's nothing to do, you have to do a whole lot of stuff. And one of them is get your butt in, sit down in front of the wall, and just do it. 
strike a bell and stay there for whatever time you set up. And then whatever happens, don't conclude, don't exclude, don't do anything with it. But yet notice the way your own mind tends to get triggered by things and you start running off in a some kind of daydream or some kind of paranoia about what might happen or what's happening at work, what's happening with my coworkers or my job or my relationship. We tend to fluff it up and become short story writers about everything. And so uh, those are relatively real, uh, but ultimately unreal. But the, the, the basic misunderstanding about reality unreality is the, the self, that there, there is not a separate being. <laughs> I mean, but you still can talk. You can still have thoughts. You can still get irritated at the politics. It's not about, it's not about so much about acting different uh, as, a, as a way of, uh, of controlling or training or whatever. On the other hand, yes, it is. You, one of the ways you can act different is stop acting. How do you do that? Meditation. Sit down, hold still, and watch the activity that you can't seem to stop. That's awareness. And eventually, maybe not this week, but eventually you will see that there, there's fundamentally no actor, even though there's all kinds of actions going on. But the actions that are continuing to go on are dependently arisen. And if you receive the vow that is uh, uh, set forth in the, the Buddhist teaching, the Mahayana, then uh, your, your, your life is, is not disappointing, but your life is no longer your own because you're in the service of everything and everyone. This doesn't mean anybody with a intense um, self-centeredness uh, can come and control you. Nobody can control you. There isn't anyone. So you are, uh, it's not that you're, are, you're gonna run into a, um, run headlong into a tiger because you're fearless. It just means that you're, you're not, you don't operate out of that anymore. More questions, question? I see that look on your face. That's, there's gotta be a question there. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good statement. Huh? Kevin Bowing. Yes, Kevin, go ahead. In terms of self-regulating behavior, sometimes, you know, if we're at work and we're in a bad mood, we might put on a happy face because of the context we're in. But then at home with our partner, we might feel at liberty to let our hair hang down. But fundamentally, but both of those dynamics are kind of like made up. So would you recommend keeping a lid on things in a private sector in the way that you might in a public sector? You know, I would say it's a very situation. I'd say a little bit, just your question, just your question tells me you're already aware of that, of that movement. And uh, I would say a little bit. Uh, you're probably doing that enough right now. I think you probably are doing a little, you know, some of that. Would, would my guess there be correct? Yes. Yeah. I specifically, I just saw this interview between, I think it was, oh, who it doesn't matter, but the, the, there was two people and the man was saying, it was James Baldwin saying, you know, when I come home, I, I get to be myself with my partner. And his partner was like, well, why? Why do I get this shit and you give everybody else your best behavior? Keep keep it to yourself. But I, I don't know. I was just kind of curious about that that dynamic in, in terms of like self-correction 
and 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 going earlier to when Shoto was talking about like everyone going to the farmer's market and one person wanting to stay and, and maybe seeing in yourself the desire to be like, well, come come over here. And and that we might mitigate that kind of response, not necessarily to be a quote unquote better person, but because we're protecting another person from our off-gassing, I guess, bowing. As I said before, I think you're already doing that. Uh, there's no, the way you ask the question, there's no particular recommendation or suggestion or even response that would change what you're already doing <clears throat> other than continue to look at it that way because nothing lasts. Uh, if you begin to look for results or spend too much time looking for, am I doing this correctly? Or am I, am I, am I? That instead of what you're doing is you're working too, uh, if I may say it this way, working too uh, intensely with the production or the results of something rather than seeing there's, there's no self, there's no, there's no solid being. And, and when we see there's no solid being, the, the, the manifestation of some of, of a kind of being is still very powerful. Sometimes it's overwhelming. So you're, uh, as uh, uh, Sally was saying uh, earlier uh, about her, she referred to her, what I would call deep consciousness or deep identity as her soul. That's not, that word has lots of different meanings to it. And so it's like Buddha nature, deep consciousness and so on. I would say at some point that, <clears throat> at some point that's all there is. There, there is no separation between deep consciousness, between the, the ego mind, between, and nothing is separate anywhere. That's not just hyperbole. That's, that's the absolute truth. And don't believe a word I say. I'm not here to promote anything. You can't take anything I say to the bank. They won't know, they won't know what that's printed on. How did you manage to print on air? And not only that, but how did you manage to pick up some air and hand it to me? Isn't that what Venmo is? What? Isn't that what Venmo is? <laughs> or PayPal? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, taking air to the bank. <laughs> yeah, it's also, uh, what's that other thing? That What's that coin? Uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, it's Bitcoin. I actually have a Bitcoin that uh, Sokoen gave me, how long ago? A couple of years ago? Yeah, I think it's, it was $100. Now it's worth 15000 or something. <laughs> <laughs> like 200 okay. Well, it's increasing. Further questions? I've got a lot of them from Shoto, but so if you guys don't want to ask me any questions, he, he can take over. Thank you, Bowie. Yes. There's a question from Kyle Kirschbaum. Okay, Kyle. He asks, I was wondering if you could speak about morals in everyday life and if it's possible to live a truly moral life, and if so, what that would look like. Well, the way you're asking the question, uh, you know, we have a whole, what is morality? What is, what are ethics? And that's something that quite often people find a system there and then they grab onto it and then they judge others and themselves by these structures. Uh, I'm not saying it won't be somewhat workable relatively, but it is not the spiritual path, as I understand it. Um, the spiritual path uh, needs those forms, needs some kind of a structure, but they, as my teacher said uh, many years ago, Kobanchino Roshi said, the precepts are to be observed, uh, not taken or obeyed, they're to be observed. 
And this, uh, this uh, observing the precepts, don't kill, don't steal, uh, don't uh, say things that aren't true. Um, take refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha, be good, don't do harm, be with all things. All of those uh, different aspects of the, of the 16 precepts that are uh, taught in this particular, uh, in this Soto Zen tradition uh, are to be observed. So even, uh, so, so some of that morality, and you know, may have to talk about this quite a bit more, but some of that uh, morality, if, if you are endeavoring to be genuine and to live your life and not argue with what is showing up in your mind stream, your karma, literally, don't argue with it. Don't shut down on it. Don't look away. Don't do anything with it other than just observe it. Just observe the thoughts coming and going. Then uh, the more, or idea of morality, which would be not harming oneself, not harming others, not meddling with others. You could take that morality right up to just mind your own business. You notice the way I say that, very parental. I had five children. I don't think I ever said that to them. Um, Mind your own business. And, you know, I'm just saying, we don't, if, especially if you, I'm sure you've noticed that, that some people um, are, even though they, their own life is a mess and going in circles, if you ask them anything, they're happy to give you advice based on, on what they think you should be doing. And it's, it's not such a wrong thing. They might be in, on the surface be intending to help you. Uh, but what they're actually saying is uh, based on a misunderstanding of who you even are, what's even happening. Only you really know, as it says in Atisha's seven points of mind training of the two, keep the principal witness. This doesn't mean believe your thoughts. It just means that you're going to know. That's why when people come to me and say, should I meditate? I say, well, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't really like to meditate. I say, well, I don't either. And that usually ends it. <laughs> or they say, well, why do you keep med meditating? I said, because of my teacher. And because of my hope and fear, because of my anger, because of my sadness, I'm choiceless, I had to do it. I hate to meditate. You guys too? And why? Why do we? I'm not saying that sometimes it doesn't feel pretty good to just hang out and have nothing to do, kind of luxurious, sit down, do nothing all day, but just look at the wall. That eventually does occur. Um. So Karen Bowing, some of us have gone home for the holidays and are spending lots of times with our families. It seems like in this community, there's a preference to learn from and spend time with those that train their mind. Is that a misunderstanding? Bowing. Well, you're a fully ordained monk, so it isn't for you. I mean, you're, you know, you have to take your family with you, but that doesn't mean they can have to jump inside your uh, uh, monk bag. It, do, it doesn't mean that. It just means that you just be very direct. No apologies. This is what I'm going to do. And let them say whatever they need to say uh, about it and say, and that could be spending the whole, all the holidays with them. I don't know. There's no protocol for that. And I'm sure you've noticed that I'm not particularly pushing people one way or another, uh, unless they look like they need some pushing. <laughs> so there's no, the right or wrong is, is incorrect. On the other hand, your, your intention to train your mind is pretty strong. You want it, you've been way before I met you, you were practicing for many, many years. 
before uh, uh, we have this connection. So nothing to correct. Yeah, go ahead, please. Go ahead, Sovereign. Are, are we better for training our minds that, than those that don't train their minds? Bowing. Are, are we again? But, so grand bowing, are we superior for training our minds? Bowing. No, no. No, when you train your mind, you're training everybody's mind. They just don't know it. You aren't separate from anyone. So no, the people who are people who are doing um, whatever uh, mindfulness meditation, Shambhala meditation, uh, creation completion practices, uh, Theravadan meditation. Uh, eyes closed meditation, mantras, I, whatever they're doing, or, or not doing at all, not doing any, just just totally running a business and trying to feed their family, not different, separated, but not different. There isn't anything but the Buddha. If you if you don't realize this, then you'll you'll be political about it. The politics of experience are extremely magnetizing. If you have any kind of a goal out ahead of you, you have work to do, and that may be just. Uh, creating a bakery, raising your children. That may be your goal. There's nothing nothing to object, uh, object to there. If some somebody needs to be on the uh, spiritual path as far as the Buddhist spiritual path, they probably won't be able to resist it. It'll keep coming, knocking at their door one way or another until they step on the path, literally. They might have stepped up on the path in the 13th century and wiggled out of it for three or four more centuries. And here they are again because they, they met their mind in the form of another being. It might sound like hyperbole, but even the word hyperbole is an exaggeration. Brett Bowling. Brett. So Kazan, you, uh, you said earlier uh, something about uh, seeing something years ago and it taking you uh, a while to come up with the words. Um, and uh, the big three that come up for me that I keep hearing from you are uh, not separate, not to, and train your mind. Um, but the one that I've, that I've been hearing lately is uh, enjoy your life. Um, can, you, uh, um, can you tell us what you mean by enjoy your life? Yeah, do the first three first. <laughs> in that order and, I, and I'll help you I'll not only help you train your mind I'll help you enjoy yourself because every time you start to get miserable I'll scold you <laughs> <laughs> I will do that uh, John here my old friend Hey, John, good to see you there. <laughs> it's nice to be here. I'm reminded um, of uh, our mutual teacher's um, sequence of teaching on that point of enjoying your life, because towards the end, uh, he said, as you'll remember, uh, often it's the only thing he said, he said, cheer up. <laughs> right. But that was after a whole lot else had gone on. And I really appreciate uh, the way you responded to that last question. It's quite profound, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, John. John and I met back uh, in the early 1970s. Uh, we, were, we were both uh, 
uh, he was also a student of uh, of Trung Rinpoche. 1974. Was it 74? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do numbers. <laughs> I do early and middle and late. <laughs> I don't do numbers. <laughs> Yeah. Kozan says hello. hello. And Chazan says hello. Hello, and, my Dharma friends. Yeah, hello, John. There he is. Hello. You know, it's it's hard to overemphasize um since Sokozan and I have been friends for forty oh well, geez, I, I I do do numbers actually, don't I? So forty six yeah. years now, something like that. It's hard to overemphasize the value of uh of uh, having a Dharma friendship. So, you know, the three jewels, well, we toss that off, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, sort of sounds, it gets to sounding sort of trite, but, but Dharma friendship uh, is priceless. It's priceless. I want to thank you, my friend, for hours. I feel the same way. Thank you. Good to have you join us. Thank you. Good to be here. Shazan. The question about responsibility. Um, in trying to work with taking responsibility for how I feel, I notice that it gets confused with taking responsibility for how others feel. And I'm wondering if there's a way to get some um, more space around that seduction into, mm -hmm. you know, in particular, like taking responsibility for how my family feels or what they're going through. You know, again, I say this quite often, but it's just about being persistent. Uh, don't try to get rid of the shame or get rid of the guilt, especially you're a, you're a, you're a monk. You've been a monk, a fully ordained monk for many years. So your path that you're on, the Mahayana, is to save all beings, simply put. So you don't want to get rid of the very issues that all beings are dealing with. So you don't need to get rid of those. The guilt comes comes and goes. Guilt comes and goes here. Shame comes and goes here. But it can't find a self. It can't find a being anymore. So it's a empty, empty of self, empty of other. That empty of self needs to come first, it seems. And then the empty of other, eventually you see that the very guilt that the empty of self was dealing with is also empty of any uh, uh, um, self or beingness or centrality or or uh, authenticity, or validity, uh, or what's that other word? Uh, ontological status. I think I pulled out of Jeffrey Hopkins, or maybe it was some other great teacher. More? Do you follow me a little bit? So whatever, and I can elaborate a little bit. Whatever emotion comes up as you're sitting, whatever emotion comes up, just observe. No comment. And if you make comments, then no comments on the comments. Be, be very radical, very minimalist about it. Sit down and hold still and minimalize as much as you can your whole sensorium, your, your nerve endings, everything you can find and the aspects that you know that are there that you can't find. You are not going to find the center, the center of your kneecap, more than likely. But you can move your, your awareness to any part of your body uh, that has, uh, has some kind of, uh, what are they called, dendrites? Are they? There's some, yeah. 
Well, I thought you're a physical therapist, so you'd be able to tell me what a dendrite was. It's part of a nerve. Or are they axons? It's part of the nerve. No. How many parts are there to a nerve? Thank you. I like, can I quote you? <laughs> what? Communication. What? It's about communication. It's about communication. Lovely. I got to get some gold stars out for you. <laughs> I don't want to go to my head. There's not any room in your head <laughs> for anything to go to. You put some ghost stars on your forehead. So any, we're, we're over our general time, but I'm happy to take, especially for someone out in uh, in Zoom area. Uh, Maria, have, yes, Maria, go ahead. You said that uh, we cannot find the source. Is it that we cannot find the source because we are the source? Well, it gets a little romantic, but if, if it's helpful to you, you can use that. But you don't have to, I wouldn't overdo that because then, then the, we are the source, we are the source or all of that. Then, then it tends to cover up the, the difficulty that you need to look at by it's a, just a highly polished form of avoidance. This is somewhat, this is what some tantric disciplines do. I'm not saying all of them. You must understand, I'm not shoving that all in a shoebox and throwing it out the window. But but anytime you're creating something against something, then uh, you're just delaying the time you need to see what the hell it is you're covering up. Just a way of talking about it. Since you asked me the question, uh, yeah, you could say that we are the source, but that's another way of saying there isn't anything with the Buddha. And we're not talking about the historical guy saying just awakened nature. Everything is awake. Nothing has ever slept. And you're it. You're not only it, you are also not it. That's why you're it. That's why this has to be taught in this way. There's a question in the chat box, but I can't read it. Kevin, can you read that aloud instead of just typing it in? Oh, it was just somebody bowing out. Oh, well, I'll see you. <laughs> Oh, it's a bowing. Oh, go ahead. Cool. Um, so we talked the other day about um, forgiveness actually being a misleading word because it's an ego-driven thing, and instead um, saying you know not placing blame on a person instead of just saying that you forgive them. Yeah, I really that. enjoy that, and so I was wondering, um, you know, when I think about empathy and compassion towards other people. Um, especially in the way of, of really wishing that somebody was not experiencing something or, or wishing a lesser degree of suffering for them. Yeah. Do you have kind of a, a, a rework of that word and of that feeling as well? Yeah, I do. And I, and I, but I don't necessarily have, just like I'm saying, uh, you, don't, you don't have to uh, uh, forgive uh, if you don't blame. So I would say back it up a little bit and just don't stop blaming everything. I mean, you can see the difference that you can see this cause that cause that cause that this person, but you begin to see it deep more deeply. So you begin to see that when somebody, when this person has done something that is destructive or harmful or manipulative or in some way to someone else, to put it very simply, you, you also, because of you've been working on your own awareness, because you've been working on your own um, passion, aggression, ignorance with what, 
I don't know what else to call it, other a balance or equanimity. You're no longer choosing sides. You're no longer trying to get to be, uh, uh, you know, some kind of a, a king or a queen or something. But then that awareness, because nothing is separate, you begin to see deeply, not mind reading, you begin to see that the reason that person is acting that way is that's the way they get out of their suffering as they blame somebody else or point the finger or meddle or... If you ask, like I said earlier, if you ask somebody, ask someone who is really confused uh, in their life, if you ask them for help, they're be, even though they're having a terrible time, they're happy to give you advice because it gets them out of their thing into some other kind of uh, validation of some kind of temporary uh, credential of, oh, I, if someone needs my help, then I need to help them. You might need to, not just you, but anybody, might need to uh, just hold your horses, train your mind. Uh, train your mind. So my, my way of talking, of, of responding to your question would be, I can't give you a, like a protocol, but I could, uh, for anyone here, if you have issues like that, uh, if I talk to you and see the what you've been doing already, then the way I respond to people's, uh, um, um, to support someone's understanding in this area might be specific in one way that wouldn't work talking to another person because of their particular, what do you want to call it, wiring or their way of being more hooked into the ignoring uh, function of the mind, or another one more into uh, aggression, or more into passion or grasping. So everyone is wired a little bit differently. But I think just that you can repeat to me what I said about it, I think if you re reflect on that a little while, then that will, will take on a different uh, uh, form or different understanding, because then that gives you a chance to go through the way in which you've done a little bit of this, the way you've done a little bit of that, the way in which you're already blaming someone or kind of holding somebody or maybe uh, some kind of, what is it, a grudge? How do I know about it? I have them. And what's different? Nobody here. And is that a bragging point or a conclusion? No, there's nobody there either. It's just that I know it and you don't. Otherwise, you wouldn't look at a guy, talk to a guy sitting up on a... Uh, Dharma seat. So if you have a very specific question about that, that tightens it right up, then I can give you a, a very direct answer on it. You have one, Anna? Um, I guess the where I was leading for is um, wanting, so, wanting people around you or wanting people that you see are suffering in whatever form that that takes. Like, is the desire of improvement for that person some sort of uh, misleading trick of the ego or can it be a... You got it. Don't give me... Here? I don't do either ors. They're not helpful. Then that traps me into your understanding of what you want. Mm -hmm. uh, just a straightforward question. Okay. So, leaving... So Leaving out the either or, give me a straight question. Okay, so I've got a, a friend who's just a wildly unhealthy and self-destructive person who I love, okay? Wow. Why do I want that person to be better? <laughs> is it because I want myself to be better or because I want to be a hero that helps them get better? Or can't? is there a part of it that is able to be practiced to be less self-serving? You know what I'm saying? I said, don't give me an either or, and you immediately gave me five either ors. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I can still respond. Okay. <laughs> respond to it. I just say, when I say I don't do either or, I don't care what you, I mean, I'm just interested in helping you if I can. So the way I would support what you're dealing with there is saying, uh, is this something you, someone you see quite often? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, cut your, uh, cut your uh, uh, discussion down to uh, uh, more receiving what's happening and less producing. And I'm the, 
just to have a rule or a protocol, I say 90-10. Listen 90% of the time, talk 10. That way, when you do say something to that person, uh, it won't be because you talk 50-50. It'll be because you're really listening. And if you listen to the person a lot, and you don't have to be odd or say, they might say, are you feeling okay? Usually you chatter right away, Anna, what's up? You know, you can, don't make it so obvious, but and it's not about acting different so much. It's just about receiving, really listen. And one of the things you can do to help you listen is go into the structure of the language, which means if their, their tone of their voice is going up or down or getting louder or softer, or if the quality of the words, uh, um, not so much the content, you, you'll get the content, you're a sharp person. So you'll get what's being said. But if you take some of that awareness and put it on the tone or the quality or the actual the quality of the conveyance of a language, uh, then, then you're actually hitting some, some area that has, uh, has depth that you can't recognize. And when mm -hmm. I say you can't recognize it, it means that that's why they call it depth. You can't recognize depth. There's, otherwise, it's not depth. It's right here. So, uh, and that has to do with the fundamental, um, to use the conventional Western words, a fundamental it intuition that is being being strengthened in your in your uh, your nervous system, your mind, your dendrites. <laughs> so you're you're actually being more present uh, without some kind of witnessing of oh, I'm more present now. No, you might not. You might feel spaced out and helpless. If you feel spaced out and helpless, but you love this person, enough said. You don't have to do anything. Just love them. And and they're, they're, then then they can tune into you. They can then you'll find out more about them. Uh, not not in terms of uh, things you should do or you should start you know helping uh, helping them with this problem or that. It won't be specific so much, but just the, the basic connection will deepen without any particular content to it necessarily. You follow me a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you. Do it for a month. And then do it for another month. <laughs> Melissa, do you have a question? We'll take uh, Melissa's question and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Melissa Bowing, uh, earlier you said that uh, when we train our mind, we train the minds of others around us. Uh, how is that, Bowing? Yeah, because we interact with others and others get their meaning, their ideas, their speculation, their conclusions, their values. And, and from others, it's called a society or community or a humanity. So when you're training your own mind and then they're interacting with someone who, whose mind is, whose, whose attitude about life is less materialistic and gaining and getting. And, and uh, the ultimate form, of course, is greediness, greedy. We can be greedy about wanting to be enlightened. And some, some people do that and they go to a mountaintop and they don't want anything else. They want to close out the rest of the world so they can become enlightened. There's a word for that. It's called Pratyeka Buddha. Not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that might be the only way that person can practice in this particular lifetime. And am I saying there are more lifetimes? Hell, I don't know. Looks like it. Looks like I've had a few. You probably have too. Or maybe not. Maybe this is the first time as a human. Maybe you've been always been an alien. <laughs> I'm laughing. You're not. So, um, did I get anywhere near that question or the answer? Uh, Melissa Bowen, you did. I think I'm going to sit with it and maybe ask a little bit more later this week. First class. Bowen. Very good. Yeah. Please sit with it. Okay. 
Okay, we're, I guess we're gonna dedicate the merit, dedicate the merit and, uh, and close. Thank you so much to everyone for coming. We had uh, 40, 42 people. We'll turn the computer towards uh, the wooden person. This is not the real Buddha. This is just a carved image. And it's even though it's golden, it's nothing special. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with